Hello, I'm Pastor Austin. Welcome back to Neely's Bend Baptist Church's Sermon Archive. In this week's sermon, we continue our series through 1 Timothy in discovering biblical characteristics of a healthy church. This week's characteristic is that we are a church with healthy teaching, a church with biblical teaching, a church that only teaches of the true doctrine of God. We hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon, and if you have any questions, or want to know more about Neely's Bend Baptist Church, feel free to email us at mbbc at neelysbendbaptist.org. What is biblical teaching? What is biblically healthy teaching? How does biblical teaching make us a healthy church? Some questions to think about. As some of you may know, I graduated from college with a special education teaching degree. After college and before going to seminary in Kansas City, I would teach special education for two years. So I taught middle school special education for two years. However, while I was in college, the whole goal was to be trained and educated on how to be a good teacher. If we could graduate as knowledgeable as we could, then we would be a better teacher than if we had no educational degree. We learned of many different strategies of like how to teach children. Strategies such as turn and talk to your neighbor, group talks, think time, quiet time, hands-on activities. We learned how to use different senses in order to help kids learn, such as the senses that you have, smell, touch, hear, see, what's the other one, feel, um, all five of those senses. How can you use those senses to help a child learn? But not only that as a special education teacher, or as a special education teacher, that I learned how to, all these strategies, but I also learned all the different disabilities and how each disability required a different style of teaching. And then once I began teaching, we had to give children goals for the students to meet. We had to give them goals. So we'd set a goal for them to meet. So we'd, set a, we'd have to test the students to find a baseline of where they're at so we know they're here. And then we would set a goal based off of that baseline so at the end of the year, they would hopefully have increased in their knowledge to meet that goal. And we would instruct them accordingly. But if you were not knowledgeable, or if you didn't have a teaching degree, or if you didn't have experience, you had no clue on how to teach. An unhealthy teacher could very little lead a child astray. Teach them incorrect information. Teach them incorrect truths. Unhealthy teaching is detrimental to the learning of every student in a classroom. Unhealthy teaching would never be beneficial or good for the student. Even as a society, it would not be good because bad teaching would not help our society benefit in any way. And while teaching in the classroom is slightly different than teaching in the church, if anything, it's a lot different, you get the idea that unhealthy teaching in the church is detrimental to the church's health. Unhealthy, unbiblical teaching 
in the church leads people astray, leads people away from the truth. Unhealthy teaching in the church doesn't teach the truth of God's Word. Unhealthy teaching teaches of something entirely different. It teaches a different doctrine. And that is exactly what was happening in the church of Ephesus. In the Ephesian church. People were teaching of a different doctrine. So Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, charging him to charge other people to not teach of a different doctrine. The church of Ephesus had unhealthy, unbiblical teaching. It was not Christ-centered. It was not the gospel, the true gospel. What they were teaching was not God's word, not this word. It was a twisted version of God's word. And this unhealthy teaching and the Ephesian church was leading to the decline of the church. What the Ephesian church believed was leading to the decline in their church health. So I ask you, does this church, does Neely's Bend Baptist Church have biblical, healthy teaching? What is being taught in this church? Are we teaching sound doctrine? As a church, we must have healthy teaching of God's Word. We must only be teaching God's Word alone. We must always be teaching sound doctrine. Holding to sound doctrine. As a church, as people at Neely's Bend Baptist Church, we must have teaching that is biblical. Because biblical teaching is a biblical characteristic of a healthy church. And when I ask you this question, who all here is a teacher? Now don't point to me, don't point to anybody else. I just want you to think about it. Who all here is a teacher? Some of you, you're right, Nancy, every one of us. Some of you may be thinking that I'm the teacher. Some of you may be thinking of the Sunday school teachers here. Let me tell you something. Every single person in this room is a teacher of something. How many of you have kids? Just about everybody here. How many of you raised those kids? What did you do? You taught them something. You are a teacher. How many of you have friends? When you have conversations with your friends, guess what you're doing? You're teaching them something. What are you teaching them of? We are all teachers. Every one of us here are teachers of something. But most importantly, you know what we all are a teacher of? What we all should be a teacher of? The gospel. The gospel. We should all be teachers of the gospel. So my point in saying this is, I don't want you to just think of this sermon as only the people teaching in the church, such as our Sunday school teachers or myself, but think about what you yourself are teaching and what this church believes. When you give advice or counsel to any other believer in Christ, you are teaching them something. And we are all called to know the truth of God's Word and know the difference between a false gospel and the true gospel. To know the difference between someone who is teaching something different rather than the truth of God's Word. 
After all, that is exactly what is happening in the church of Ephesus and what Paul, Paul told them to charge against. So this sermon is for all of us here at Neely's Bend Baptist Church because for us to be a healthy church, we all need to know what biblically healthy teaching is. Therefore, my purpose in preaching this sermon to you today is so that you will know that for us to be a biblically healthy church, we must have biblically healthy teaching. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3-7, through 7, we see two instructions for biblically healthy teaching. Two instructions for biblically healthy teaching. The first instruction that we see here is that we are to teach of no different doctrine. To have healthy teaching in the church, to have biblical teaching in the church, we must teach of no different doctrine. Let me tell you something, just to begin out right out clear. There is no other doctrine. There's only one doctrine, and that is God's word and his truth alone. So let's begin reading in 1 Timothy chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And I did something really nifty today. I got you guys Bible verses on the screen. So I hope you can read them. I hope they're clear enough. If they're not clear enough, let me know at the end of the service, um, and then we will try to fix that. But read with me here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. It says, As I urge you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Verse 4, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Verse 5. Whoop, I went one too fast. Verse 5 on there? Oh, excuse me. I'm only supposed to go to verse 4. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still learning how to do this, guys. <laughs> verse 4. That's all we need. But the first thing that we see in these passages is that we are to teach of no different doctrine. And within these two verses, we see there's two responsibilities that we at NBBC, at Neely's Bend Baptist Church, should have. That we are charged as a church to do. So the first responsibility for us here at Neely's Bend Baptist Church is that we are to teach of no different doctrine. This was the first charge that Paul was given, by Paul gave Timothy to be certain persons. If you look at the end of verse 3, it says, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. And this is now a responsibility of us as a church. That we don't allow any different doctrine other than God's Word to be taught. Some of you may be asking what the word doctrine means. What does the word doctrine mean? It's here. And let me tell you, it's okay to not know what a word means. It's okay. There's lots of words that I don't know. But the word doctrine, according to the Holman New Testament commentary, it means this. It is a statement of beliefs about the Christian gospel based on the teaching of Jesus and God's word. So it's a statement of beliefs about the Christian gospel on the teachings of Jesus and God's word. Simply put, doctrine is what we believe in about God's word and the gospel. As a Southern Baptist church, we agree with the Baptist faith and message 2000. 
If you don't know what the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 is, it is basically a bunch of smaller doctrines that we believe joined together to make a larger doctrine. It's almost like a confession. It is a joint set of beliefs that we believe as a partner or as, as, um, as a Southern Baptist church. But more importantly, the Bible is what determines the doctrine we believe. Essentially, we must believe what the Bible teaches and what God's Word teaches. And for Paul, he wholeheartedly believed in the Word of God. He quoted the Old Testament many, many times in his, in his letters. He also had a very heavy stance on Jesus and the Gospel. The doctrine that Paul speaks of here is that we don't waver from God's Word. That we don't waver from what the Gospel really means for us. Because what was happening was this. These certain people, we don't really know who these certain people are. Some people suspect that it is, um, what's the people's name here at the end of chapter 1? Hymenaeus and Alexander, that you see at the end of chapter 1, we will eventually get to. Some people expect it is, suspect it is them. But these certain people, instead of teaching the Gospel, the true Gospel of Jesus, they were going back and teaching the law. If you look at verse 7, it says that they were desiring to be teachers of the law. They were mixing together Jesus and the law. And that is not the doctrine in which we believe in. The doctrine that we believe in is that Jesus came to fulfill the law, correct? Jesus came to fulfill the law so that it was no longer needed for salvation. We believe in Jesus alone, not Jesus plus something else. Therefore, as a healthy church, we must know the true doctrine. We must know the purpose and the reason of why Jesus came. We must know the gospel and what the gospel is. We must know who the gospel is for. We also must know God's Word and what God's Word teaches because there are many people who take God's Word and they twist it, they turn it, or they even add to it in some way. And while it may sound true, guess what? It's not true. Which means that we have to know God's Word as a church. We must know the true doctrine. We must not devote ourselves to myths and genealogies as this Ephesian church was. We don't teach things we don't believe things that lead to speculations. So this leads to the second responsibility that we as a church is that we steward the truth of God's Word well. We must steward the truth well. So look at verse 4 again. I'll go back for you. It says, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. These certain people were not stewarding God's Word well. They were not stewarding the truth of God's Word correctly. They were devoting themselves to other things, to myths, to genealogies, endless genealogies. When you hear the word myth, I hope you already think not true. I hope you already think that it is a, make sure I say this word right, fictionable thing. Because sometimes I get those mixed up. I always think that true is fiction and not true is nonfiction because it would make sense that way, right? 
But nonfiction is the true thing. Fiction is not true. We already think that whenever we hear the word myth, it is a fictionable story. And here in this passage, when the word myth is used, it can actually understood, be understood as like a fable or a tale, a story that isn't true. And so what they were doing was they were literally taking the Mosaic law, the Old Testament, and making, making mythical interpretations of it. Their interpretations were speculative rather than factual. But not only were they devoting themselves to myths, but also endless genealogies. The Bible consists of many genealogies. We see in Genesis, there are many genealogies. So-and-so begot so-and-so. So-and-so begot so-and-so. And he begot him. And he begot her. And we all get confused in all of that, right? But those genealogies are there for a reason. Because without those genealogies, we would not be able to trace Jesus all the way back to Adam. But these endless genealogies was because the Jews didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so what were they doing? They were just making up more genealogies. They were endless. They were pointless. They'd go on and on. And these genealogies would be pointless because they're pointless in trying to solve the genealogy because all they did was create one thing, speculation. And this is the thing we must ask as our church or ask ourselves as a church. Is what we are teaching creating speculations? Because if what we are teaching is creating speculations, then we are not teaching the truth of God's Word. But not only the church, but even yourself. Where are you teaching others? In your conversations, with your friends, with your neighbors. Where are you teaching them? Do your conversations create speculations? Or are they only of the truth of God's Word? As a church, we must steward the truth of God's Word. We must steward and hold to the truth of God's Word and His Gospel alone. Because that Word that we believe is from God and is by faith, as the end of verse 4 states, our faith in God should lead us to only teach of the truth and to not teach of any other thing that creates speculations. An example of a church that began to desert from the gospel and turn to a different gospel is the church in Galatians. Some of you may think of chapter 1. And when you, when I was, um, someone taught me one time or was telling me something that, that Paul is, whenever he writes Galatians, he's writing it very like angrily. So like you just imagine him pressing real hard with the pen, you know, just writing real angrily. And so when you read it, you should almost read it in a very like, like Paul is really, really frustrated at the church of Galatia. And there's a reason why. And he, and he gives it right here. So in chapter 1 of Galatians, verses 6 through 8, I think I have that up there too. Hey, there we go. Look at that. So in chapter 1 of Galatians, verses 6 through 8, it says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Preaching the truth of God's word is serious. 
It is serious. And we must make sure as a church that we are holding, always teaching the truth of God's Word. For us to be a healthy church, we must only teach God's Word, the true doctrine. We must not distort the gospel or teach a different gospel because there is no other gospel to be taught as Galatians teaches us. In the world and culture that we live in today, people are always trying to mix up the truth and it can be easy to distort the gospel of Christ just as the church of Galatia did. In our world and culture, we are being told by people to live out your truth, right? Live out your truth. Live your truth. Live out their truth. Anybody's truth. Friends, anybody's truth, your truth, someone else's truth, is not the truth. It is not God's Word and it's not true. The only truth is God's Word. Our truth should be God's Word. No one else's. And we as a church must be a church that only teaches of the truth. We must not sway in our teaching. We can't sway in our teaching. We can't sway in what we believe. We can't sway into the things of the world and what they teach. Or else we will become an unfaithful church. And a church that is unfaithful to God and His Word will cease to exist. And if anyone in our church ever teaches anything contrary to that of Scripture, he must be corrected and taught the truth of God's Word. And if they continue, as Paul teaches here in, verse, in Galatians, they should be accursed. They must be removed from this church. Let us be a church always teaching of no different doctrine. And let us be a church that always teaches in a way that doesn't create speculations, but rather stewards God's Word rightly. It leads us to our second point. The second instruction that we have is that we are to be a church that teaches in love. To have biblical teaching in the church, we must teach in love. If you look at verses 5 through 7, Verse 5, it says this, it says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. We must be a church that teaches only in love. But within these three verses here, there are two things that we need to recognize. Two things for us to recognize. But first, we see that the charge here is given to Timothy. It was to be done in love. And that Timothy was to teach those who were teaching of a different love, excuse me, I messed up there, of a different doctrine, he was supposed to correct them in love. He was lo lovingly correct them. They were teaching a different doctrine. When you are around someone who is teaching something different, or a different something that you don't believe in, or a different doctrine, it is easy to just abruptly and unlovingly try and correct them. Would you agree? It's easy to get hasty, get quick, and get snappy, and begin snapping at people. But that's not what we are called to do. We are called to correct them in love which means that we're also called to teach in love. 
Think about it. If a school teacher didn't really love what they were doing as a teacher, would they be a good teacher? Would they care about the kids? Would they care about what the kids are learning? Would they go the extra mile to help kids learn? Probably not. But also, they would not improperly teach the students something wrong. If they didn't love them, it's very possible they would just teach them that 2 plus 2 equals 22 instead of 4. Or that 3 plus 3 equals 33 instead of 6. Or that 4 plus 4 is 44 instead of 8. This would be wrong teaching, would you not agree? It would be unloving for someone to teach that. A loving teacher cares about the child's learning and teaches them facts, teaches them truth, teaches them appropriately, which is exactly why we must be teachers of God's Word with love. But ultimately, we can't teach with love unless we have the love of Christ in us. So we must first be believers in Christ. Because to first know the truth, we have to believe in Christ. We must be saved. And once we are saved, we can know the gospel. And we learn more of the gospel. And we will know the truth. And we can teach the truth. But to teach in love, it means that we must first have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, as verse 5 teaches us here. A pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. What does it mean to have those? To have a pure heart, it means to have a holy heart. As God is holy, so should we be holy. A holy heart, a clean heart. David, in one of the Psalms, says, Create in me a clean heart, Lord. Create in me a pure heart. But how does one get a pure heart? It is only through Christ. In the most biblical sense, the heart is where people are driven from. The heart drives people's emotions, affections. It drives their wills. It is the control center almost of one's life. And if one's heart isn't pure, guess what? Their motive for what they are teaching is going to be an impure motive. What they teach isn't going to be the truth. Secondly, in order to love, we must also have a good conscience. Before salvation, our conscience is cloudy. It is murky. It is clear as mud, as some people may say. It is, it is filthy. Our conscience is, is not clean. But God at salvation instills in us a good conscience. He changes us, and the way we begin to think is completely different than the way we thought before. We would then be able to have a good understanding of God's Word, of the truth of God's Word. And we can teach with a good conscience. Because one with a bad conscience, guess what they're going to do? They're going to teach a defiled truth. Their mind isn't clear, so they're not going to teach anything that is clear. And lastly, in order to love, we must also have a sincere faith. Ultimately, if you don't have faith in Christ, you don't know the truth. Your faith in Christ must be a sincere faith. Because when you don't have a sincere faith, guess what? What you believe and what you teach is going to lead to destruction rather than life. Only teaching from a sincere faith 
is going to teach you the truth. These three things are pivotal for us to teaching love as a church. Without them, one cannot teach love. Love is crucial for teaching others. Because when you have love, guess what you do? You will love God and you will love others. After all, that is the greatest commandment. When you love, when you have love, your teaching won't lead people astray from the truth. And that leads us to the second thing for us to know about teaching and love. We must never swerve from teaching and love. Never swerve from teaching and love. And this is exactly what those certain people did. They swerved. If you look at verse 6 and verse 7, certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. There are two things we need to recognize from these verses. The first is that teachers of God's Word must teach in love. We're good. And the second, let me make sure I'm right here. Let's see here. The first of the two things we need to recognize. The first is that teachers must teach in love. The reality of not teaching with love leads to vain discussion. It leads to empty discussion. It leads to pointless discussion. The teaching that are, they are teaching of has no value because it is no truth in it. There is not any truth. It is vain. <clears throat> when I think of the, the school teacher that I was talking about earlier that was teaching 2 plus 2 equals 22 and 3 plus 2, excuse me, 3 plus 3 equals 33. That is not true. This teacher would be teaching in a way that is not loving because it leads to vain discussion. What was being taught is pointless. It wasn't factual. It isn't true. And when people don't teach the Word of God correctly, when they teach the gospel wrong, when they create speculations, is because they are not teaching in a loving way. And the result of this unfaithful teaching, this different doctrine being taught, is ultimately because they don't have the love of Christ in them. They don't know the true love is. And because they don't have the love of Christ in them, they ultimately don't and can't understand God's Word. And they can't teach it correctly. Which leads us to the second thing we need to know about these verses. If you look at verse 7 here, it says, Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. In order to lovingly teach God's Word, you must first understand it. And you can't understand it unless you have Christ in you. These certain people, desiring to be teachers of the law, what did Jesus do? Jesus came to fulfill the law. <clears throat> I feel like I'm repeating myself here for some reason. But I don't think I am. But these certain people were, they were desiring to be teachers of the law. And what did Jesus do? So excuse me, back up here for a second. But what did Jesus do? Jesus came to fulfill the law, and yet they were still trying to teach of the law. The law was no longer necessary. Jesus had fulfilled it. And these people, if they had truly known Jesus and His love and truly been believers, they would have known the true gospel. They would have understood it. They would have understood that all they needed was Jesus and His gospel. 
Nothing else matters. But they didn't understand because they didn't believe. And this is an important thing for us to remember as a church. Anybody who ever teaches in this church must be a believer. We must ask them for their salvation story. How God brought them from death to life. We should ask them about what the gospel is and let them tell us the gospel so we can know they know the gospel. Ask them what they believe about God's word. We must make sure that our teachers are believers because if they are not, then they will be teaching an entirely different doctrine. A healthy church must have biblically healthy teachers who teach in love. In our sermon today, we have seen two instructions for biblically healthy teaching. The first instruction that we see to have healthy teaching is that we must teach of no different doctrine. We must only teach of God's Word and His Word alone. We must teach only of the gospel of Jesus Christ and no other gospel that is contrary to that taught in Scripture. The second instruction for us to have healthy teaching in our church is that we must be teaching in love. Teachers must teach in love with purity, with good conscience and sincere faith, or else they will instead teach pointless and vain things because they don't understand or know what they are teaching. The goal is for us to become a biblically healthy church. And for us to continue moving forward, becoming a biblically healthy church, then we must have biblically healthy teaching. And this goes for everyone in our church because ultimately, every one of us here are teachers of the gospel. We are all called and commanded to teach the gospel. And how can we teach the gospel to those around us if we don't have correct doctrine? Well, we are not teaching in love. Church, we must all have a healthy understanding of the gospel in order to be able to teach it. And as a church, we must all have a healthy understanding of the gospel in order to make sure that those in the church are teaching God's word correctly. It is crucial for us to know the truth of God's word. Crucial for us to know because what happens when someone teaches something different? What happens when someone in our church teaches something different? What happens when someone you're listening to on a TV show or radio or YouTube or podcast or read a Facebook post and they're teaching something different? Will you be able to recognize this false doctrine? Will you be able to know that someone is teaching something that is contrary to Scripture? As people of this church, we must be so familiar with the Gospel and with God's Word and when someone teaches us a different Gospel, a tornado siren goes off in our head, alerting us to the danger that they are teaching. And if it is possible, we should lovingly correct them. So, as always, we must ask ourselves, how can we live this out? How do we live this out? And while this sermon is certainly geared toward us becoming a healthier church by having biblically healthy teaching, there are still things we can take home with us and live out. So the two things that I have for us today is this. The first is in the form of the question. What are you teaching? Just think about it. What are you teaching to your friends, to your neighbors, to your kids, to your grandkids? your great-grandkids is for some of you what are you teaching them 
when you speak to someone else, you are teaching them good things or you are teaching them bad things? What are you teaching others in those conversations? Are you teaching them God's Word? Are you teaching the right gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Think about the things you teach others. And always remember that you are teaching somebody something. Let it be godly teaching. The second way we can live this out is daily study God's Word. Daily learning God's Word. If we are to be a healthy church, if we're going to be a church that cherishes healthy teaching, then we as believers must always be cherishing God's Word. Be studying it and learning more about it. Because here's what happens when we study the Word daily. We begin to know the truth of the Word. We know what God's Word teaches and we know what God's Word says. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of mirror, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How will the Word of God be able to be living and active in your life if you aren't living in the Word? And if we are living in the Word, then when it comes to false teachings and, and actually teaching others the Gospel, we will know what it is. We will be able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of others. We will be able to know what a false Gospel is. And it will drive our heart to be fully intentional in only teaching the Word of God. When we study and learn from God's Word daily, we can recognize false teachers. And as a church, we will be a church that has healthy teaching. Because we only teach what the Bible teaches. As I stated in my introduction, my purpose in preaching the sermon today was for us as a church to realize and see the importance of having healthy teaching in the church. Not only healthy teachers, but healthy teachers teaching biblically healthy doctrine. I hope that from this passage you were able to see the importance of why doctrine matters. Why healthy doctrine matters. Because here's the reality. The moment we begin teaching something other than the true gospel, some other doctrine, we no longer bring glory to God as a church. And a church that isn't bringing glory to God is a dying church. And I don't want that to happen here. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 8.20, it teaches us that if a prophet, a prophet spoke anything other than what God commanded or spoke in the name of another God, they were to be put to death. God cares about what we teach in this church. Let us always be found faithfully teaching the truth of God's Word. If you're here today and you're hearing this message and wondering why it is so important for a church to have healthy teaching, it's because without healthy teaching of God's Word, you would never hear the true gospel and have the opportunity to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Therefore, hear me now and hear the gospel that Jesus taught, that Paul taught, that Peter taught of, and believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. In the beginning, God created a good creation. He created everything, and it was good. But shortly after creating this goodness, man would mess it up. Adam and Eve would sin. Bring not only sin upon themselves, but also every person after that. You and I and everyone in this room was conceived in sin. Our nature is sinful. We are viewed as unrighteous in God's court. 
our status is condemned. But that's just the beauty of the gospel. God sent Jesus, who was born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life, a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death on a cross for you. So that you can have Him as your life. So that you can believe in Him as Lord and Savior. He wanted to change your nature from sinful to pure to virtuous and without sin and change your status in God's court, in God's eyes, from unrighteous to righteous. God sent Jesus so you could have your heart changed. Everything about you changed. And the moment that you have to do, and oh, excuse me, and the only thing you have to do in this very moment is realize and understand that you are a sinner, a person who is convicted and unjust in God's eyes, and then repent of your sin. Believe in Jesus alone, in faith alone, and you will be saved because it is by His grace alone. If the Lord is drawing you into Himself today, calling you to Himself today, respond in obedience by believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, repenting of your sin. And if that is you, during this next song, or after the service, come, talk with me, and I would love to talk about this journey to heaven with you. Also, if you're here today and you are interested in becoming a member of Neely's Ben Baptist Church, of this church, know that you are welcome to contact me at any time. Talk about membership. You're welcome to talk to me during the invitational song or even directly after the service standing at the back doors. We want you to be a part of this family of God, of this church. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and we just pray that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that you will direct us, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we as a church will teach biblically healthy doctrine, Lord, that we will have healthy teaching, that we will only teach of your word and your word alone, that we only teach of your gospel, the true gospel, and no other gospel, Lord. Lord, we just praise you for just how great and awesome you are, Lord. Lord, let us always be a church that is moving toward becoming a holier church, becoming a church that is more healthy. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.